Hello and welcome to the South Coast Football League once again. We've called the podcast, obviously. Season's been called quite early, so we're going to be doing our season review a bit earlier than we expected to at the start of the year. But as I welcome my guest, Josh Bartlett, welcome back. Hey, Jared, good to be here. We should be uh, preparing for finals, but uh, here we are. Yeah, well, we set, well, the last round of the season was meant to be last weekend as well, so we should be, but... Um, Alas, it didn't work out as such, but we've also got a returning guest as well. I don't think we've had him since the Frack Cup uh, group stage early in the year. Dylan Arvella, welcome back. I'm back, boys, and I'm glad to be here. I've been on the call for an hour now talking about rugby league, but I'm looking forward to talking about some cancelled Illawarra football. Yeah, well, when you've got a professional sport, you might as well talk about it. But speaking as such, we did have a cancellation of the Illawarra Premier League just a couple of weeks ago. So we just thought we'd wait till it settled down a bit and so so we can just debrief this whole season. So we'll just brush over the cancellation of the comps. So fortunately, Josh, it uh, confirmed the inevitable when the lockdown was extended to the end of September. Yeah, look, I don't think anyone was there holding their breath that the season would return. Um, it's been, I think, 10 to 11 weeks since the comp was last played. It literally feels like a lifetime ago. It's now two to three lockdowns ago or something like that. So, um, yeah, no no real surprise, mate. Um, I think it was just a matter of time. Yes, unfortunately. Well, we did say it for a while when we called those couple of emergency pods, but we said for a while it was going to happen. But, um, yeah, we were just waiting for the inevitable, unfortunately. And uh, it doesn't make it any easier when it gets called off. No, look... It was such I'm an exciting in, year. We had... <laughs> oh, God, you love on, so... on my pod. Do you want to step in, Dill? Yeah, go on. You can step in. No, I didn't know because Bartler looked nervous. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the internet more than anything. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put in my two cents worth anyway. So I'll give you... Go, go on, that's what you're here for. I think that, like Josh said, it was inevitable. Um, the last extension, which pushed it on beyond, beyond the end of August, was basically the, the death knell for... The season, there was some hope of getting the regular season done and maybe some sort of final series, but uh, in the end, I think it was pretty clear about a month ago that it wasn't going to happen, but credit to Football South Coast, they, they held out as long as they could, they they tried and, and kept the kept the flame burning somewhat for about three or four weeks longer than, or maybe two or three weeks longer than Football New South Wales and a lot of other competitions, uh, but ultimately... There was no real chance of getting it up and running, which is uh, obviously very unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately, it was never going to happen as well. But there's, there has been a lot of things that have come out of lockdown, a lot of interesting things that have come out of lockdown. And one that's come out in the last week, which uh, intrigued a lot of people, was Dill, your article on the IPL Informer about a, what you would like, basically a competition restructure. What would you do if you were to restructure the competition. So it was posted last week as an opinion piece. So if you want to go and check that article out, just go to the IPL Informer's website and we'll probably put the link in the show notes as well. But it was posted last week. So you put forward your idea as to how you could shake up the Illawarra Leagues. Uh, Can you give the listeners a brief overview of what this piece entails and why you put this forward? Well, it's it's an article that has been a, a thought bubble of mine for a, for a little while now, um, having watched the competition for five or six years now. And I think the premise of the proposed restructure, which has, has 
I've received plenty of feedback uh, about, which has been like positive feedback and negative feedback, which is great because I, it was basically to get my opinion out there and it's good to hear other people's opinion, but it was my belief is it's a restructure that would promote quality over quantity and create a competition, a bit more competition and a bit more consequences within the the top tiers of the uh, Illawarra football. And the the main point of the restructure would be turning our two men's premiership divisions of 12 teams into three, which would be three divisions of 10 teams, which would uh, incorporate six teams that are currently in community league. Um, and from there, there'd be two grades, which are first grade and a reserve grade, uh, or a second grade, whatever Football South Coast decides to would decide it to be to be called, and I think the the benefit of having two grades would would see the the filtering of players through the the division, and I, I said I said in the piece it's a bit like trickle down economics, but unlike trickle trickle down economics, it would actually it would actually work, mm. um, and I think that having having two two grades across the three divisions would also help a lot with promotion and, and relegation, which has been hard for clubs to cope with over the years. Like I know um, I know clubs like Balambi for one have had a lot of trouble when they get relegated having to change the grades to have three like they when they went mm. from Premier League to District League yeah, it used five to be. six years ago, mm. they had to get a whole reserve grade side because there mm. wasn't no there wasn't reserve grade in Premier yep. League and then when they got promoted they had to get a whole uh, another age cap side yep. um, to compete in the Premier League which is really hard and you, when you get promoted you lose a lot of um, players that, that can no longer play reserve grade in the Premier League mm. uh, and that those reserve graders are key parts of clubs which many clubs will tell you and Blamby isn't the only club I know. Like Fernhill has had this problem in the past, and uh, probably probably ninety percent of clubs that have been promoted and relegated. So that's a that's a key point uh, that needs to be stressed because I, I also think there should be two promotions spots and two relegation spots because I think that that would create a bit more um, competition for for for. There's a lot like currently there's four or five district league clubs with real ambitions of getting promoted and that one spot just doesn't seem to be enough and there's four or five Premier League clubs that are probably teetering on the edge there that the the the, the risk of getting relegated probably isn't high enough uh, in my opinion and with the two the two grades they would also see players not only trickle down the leagues but also go back to the junior competition which uh, like the under-18s has been a fairly weak of a weak standard of late. Talking to coaches that have watched Champs to Champions over the years, uh, they say the under-18 teams from Football South Coast have significantly dropped in quality over the last decade, which I thought is quite interesting. Um, yeah. And putting those players back into that age group might be a benefit. And I also think it would also benefit um, the referee shortage that we have at the moment. Um, I had a note when I was writing the article down, which I don't have with me, but there would be, you'd, you'd, you'd require about four or six or four or six less match officials across the, across the, this structure for a match day than with the current structure. Yeah. Um, and the final, 
subheading I had with the article was was cup competitions are to restructure fraternity cup, which people can look at if they go and read the article. I would also hope it would um, boost the the prominence of the Burt Bambita Cup, make mm, it a 32 yeah. team competition, uh, include the grand finals from the previous year's Community uh, League Division 1. Um, they would be invited to take part. A straight knockout, standalone weekends for the first round, the semi finals, and the final. Uh, which encourages people to play their their very best side, and I, and I think a real carrot for uh, a real incentive to win the competition, as well as uh, instead of just winning silverware, which is obviously very important for 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 clubs competing in the latter stage of the competition, but also uh, give them give the winners the opportunity uh, to host the following season's final, which is they don't have to if it's a club that doesn't want to, they don't have to, but there's a lot of clubs that would really like the the chance to host a host a cup final because it's a really big uh, revenue raiser mm. for for a club. So I think that would be a, a pretty good incentive. And also the, with the reduced rounds, because it would be an eighteen round competition with uh, ten teams, nine nine yeah. home games, nine away games. I would also hope, though it isn't enforceable, that everyone would be uh, entering the FFA Cup. Yeah, I think that idea. With the 10 teams, like I think any lower than 10 teams, I think we're pushing it a bit, but any higher than 10 teams, and we've just got the same the um, same predicament we're in at the moment. But 10 teams, I think, is that perfect number. And I really like how what you suggested in the article about having two group, two Premier League groups, four game, a minimum four games for everyone. And compared to that this year with every team, a minimum two games. So most teams had two games. But In the, regards to the Fraternity Cup. Yeah, yeah, and uh, to have an 18-round comp, like you said in the article, it allows for standalone weekends in the Burt Bamda Cup, and I think it's it's been a bit sad how the Burt Bamda Cup's lost its... Uh, it's lost the interest of clubs the last few years, and I think that, that's been a bit sad, but to have heightened, interest, heightened um, importance on that cup as well and having a standalone cup, not just a standalone weekend, but also standalone final, semifinals and maybe first round or something like that, I think that is a good idea, um, Josh. What's your what's your opinion based on what you just said? Well, first of all, I like the idea of the cup um, having its own weekend, um, particularly for finals. I think it can get a bit lost in between, you know, regular league games and whether teams rest their best players for a league game or cup game. They seem to prioritise the league. I'd say in the main in that situation, um, and in terms of, of the the competition restructure, I think. Yeah, it would, it would create great... Stab 10 teams would really create an interesting um, competitiveness, I think. Um, there's probably a few teams that have been struggling to get off the foot of the ladder in the IPL for the last couple of years. I think that's probably fair to say. So I, I'm, I'm for it. And anything that kind of shores up the future of not just um, youth, but also refereeing stocks as well, if it can ease a bit of burden on some, some referees, I think it's a good call too. Can I My add, worry. Can I add, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. Are you going to say something about promotion relegation, Pollard? No, 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 I wasn't I, actually. I do, I do want to say that the fact of having two grades should ease the the anxiety of getting relegated as well, because obviously clubs don't want to get relegated. But if there's only if they are able to have one season, if they get relegated, if they're able to sort out whatever on-field issues they have, because there's two promotion spots. 
there's a decent chance that if they can sort their on-field issues out, they're, they're in the hunt for, for a promotion the very next season. So it doesn't have to be this big, uh, gloomy situation that a lot of clubs see relegation as now. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's a very key point, I, I think, because relegation is, in many ways, just as exciting as as league titles and and, uh, and clubs uh, vying for the finals. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, look, I didn't consider the fact that um, it would like hold the lower the lower clubs in the league more accountable with two spots in relegation. I was looking at it as two spots with 10 teams. That's 20% of the teams getting relegated. So it's a bit like, you know, you can be, what, five spots out of finals if it's a top four. And you're getting relegated, so I thought I thought that was a bit iffy. But now you've provided that reason, I can understand it a bit. What I disagree with politely is the while you're, the reasoning behind it is right. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here a bit. The reserve grade, the difference between reserve grade and the under 18s comp, I think is really like too large. If that makes sense, or unless if you. Yeah, I know. It's it's a bit tricky because like the under 18s, like you could go from under 18s playing against kids to playing against full grown men who've been playing for years in the reserve grade comp as well. So I think it's a little bit too big of a gap, but at the same time the you're removing that stress on the referees as well, which has been a real problem for the lower grade and 20s in particular the last couple of years uh is a positive, but mm, if you um that gap, yeah, that, that- go on. That'd be that'd certainly be the case with, say, a player that's a an eighteen year old that's playing, was at a Premier League club, Premier League reserve yeah. grade to the under eighteen's competition, which under this system would also be a stronger under eighteen's competition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That gap that gap is significant, but with this restructure, it would also incentivise them to say find their level at a lower grade, so that might be. Uh, District League first grade or District League reserve grade, if they're not quite mm-hmm. up to that, it could be um, the third division first grade or third division uh, reserve grade. And uh, with all due respect, if they're not up to that standard at 18, they probably should be playing in the under-18s competition. Yeah, fair call. Actually, come to think of it, when I was coming through, it used to be obviously different now. It was 18s, 21s and first grade. So I guess it can work because that 21s comp, like the reserve guy at the moment's got similar eight, similar players of a similar age group to what was the age group in the 21. So that could work, I suppose, as well. But um, one point that was interesting as well and that's been an issue for most clubs is having the 18s common and going to reserve and first grades allows for junior and senior clubs to sort of work together a bit better, which has been an issue for a lot of clubs over the years. Obviously, you mentioned there's clubs like uh, South Coast United and... Um, well, even Wollongong United's got an 18s now as well, so they're trying to get a link between juniors and uh, all the way to first grade under one club banner. But yeah, yeah. So that there's been a bit of issues with some other clubs um, trying to link their juniors to their seniors. So hopefully, like this restructure, possibly could uh, definitely help that as well. But the yeah, I'm really a big fan of having more heightened importance on the Burt Bamford Cup because that's just kind of been brushed aside and it's it even happened this year where some teams were just resting players because they didn't care what happened in the Bampton Cup. Um, 
But anyway, we'll move on to well, Josh's. Well, Josh has been lost. He dropped down in there. Hopefully, he comes back soon. But we'll touch on what's happened. Uh, actually, actually, no. Before we go on the FFA Cup as well. There's been a lot of teams from the Illawarra entering the FFA Cup over the last few years in particular. Kind of dropped off a little bit this year. Um, granted, each club has their reasons. But if you're allowing, if you've got an 18-round season, you can allow for... And, and like if you've got an 18-round season and the Bettman Cup's on weekends, there's not going to be as many um, midweek games that there has been in the past in the past few years as well so you can sort of accommodate a midweek FFA Cup game for example which um, yeah it will encourage teams to enter as well and I'm sure that was your reasoning behind it yeah no doubt and I think that um, as mentioned near the bottom of the piece that while you can't make the FFA while Football South Coast can't force clubs to enter the FFA Cup because it's not it's not a competition yeah. that they're uh, they manage. Uh, they're the like they're not the the you know, the managers of that particular competition. They can make any necessary amendments to the to the calendar and the schedule to ensure clubs are as competitive as possible. Because it'll be a I don't know when it will happen. I've been holding out for it. Mm. It'll be a sensational moment when a football South Coast club gets through to the national draw. That'd be incredible. Obviously, we've had the Wolves mm. in there a fair few times, uh, and. Uh, games like the Central Coast got- games that they've had at Wynn Stadium have been fantastic. Yeah. Imagine an A-League mm. club playing in Illawarra Premier League. A ball's back or something. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well I, well, I remember 2017, both the Fury and Bull, I got within one game of that round of 32 and I can't remember Bull, I had an NPL one club and I think pretty sure the Fury Blacktown. did as well, but Blacktown, that was it. Yeah, I remember it was... But... Hills Brumbies for Fury, MPL 2. Hills Brumbies, that's it. Yeah, so MPL 2. So they both got, like, can you imagine at the time Fury were playing at well, Albert Butler? Imagine if Sydney FC or something was coming to Albert Butler. Oh, they would have changed it to Wynn Stadium probably to accommodate more, but still. I wouldn't want it to be changed to Wynn Stadium. No, you wouldn't, but it would. No, yeah. No, that's um, Like, Balls Paddy comes to mind as a ground. Like if Bulleye made it, for example, Balls Paddy comes to mind as if if an A-League club came to there, you'd have it there because it kind of gives you those... That happen. You'd have to, yeah, yeah. Look, the parking would be an issue, but it kind of gives you those lower league English vibes that are that ground. But yeah, no, it's it, having Let's heightened importance on both. It'll happen one day. It'll yeah. happen one day. Yeah, one day will. One day. Having heightened importance on all three cups, the frat, oh, not well, obviously the frat cups, the preseason cup, but you get more games, Bampton Cup and the FFA Cup. Having heightened importance on that, I'm all for, all for that. But before we, we'll move on now to what's happened, what's happened to the last few weeks in particular with the IPL, and that's been the coaching changes at a, uh, in particular Olympic and United, but there's been a few more as well. So. For those who haven't been up to date, the Wollongong United coach, Oli Vukovsky, has taken the gig as a 20s coach at Sydney United. So he stepped down after, I think it was something, 30 years with the club, player, coach and everything like that or something along those lines. So it was quite a big uh, relationship that, well, I'm not going to say the ties were cut, but it's had to be put on hold for now. So um, yeah, well done. Ollie's won a fair bit of silverware in his time there. So well done to him. And Wollongong Olympics, George Antonio, Antonio, sorry, sorry, George, George Antonio, 
has stepped down as well along with his support staff for their first grade. So big changes at the two top clubs and still yet to be officially confirmed uh, Olympics Olympics um, coaching replacement, although there has been some talk around the neck of, their neck of the woods. But Wollongong United have confirmed that last year's George Naylor medalist, Billy Sovolos, will be taking over them. And considering Billy was injured a fair bit this year as well, so he couldn't play as much. But yeah, unfortunately, does that mean does that mean player coaches? Does that mean that Billy's hanging up the boots for good, do you reckon? Look, I think that um, he had some issues this year. Oh, I can't, was it his, it might have been his knees or, or his hips, or, or, but either way. Something yeah, like that, yeah. I don't think he got in the park at all in the IPL this season, which is disappointing because he was being one of the best players in the competition for quite some time now. Um, but I think for next year at least, I would be surprised if he isn't registered as a player, just in case. But uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a big ask to be a player coach, especially a rookie player coach, which obviously by the very nature of still being a player, you probably are a rookie coach. So, um, But he's been at United for... He had a gap there for a year or two, but he's been a United player for quite some time. So, you know, I, mm. I wish him all the best. One of the, he's one of the genuine nice guys of the comp as well, so good luck to him. But oh, and I'll let you take this one as well, Dill. There's been a couple of other murmurs around other clubs as well with regards to coaching changes. Do you want me to say names? You can edit that bit out. Should I say names? I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to say it or? Oh, I don't care. I'll say it. All right. All right. Well, yeah. No, no. <laughs> you, if you don't want to say it, just tell me. I'll cut it. No, out. I will. Bartlett's, Bartlett's leaving me hanging. Yeah, he's had a unit problems. He's the second time he's dropped out. As always in the the IPL, it seems there the coaching merry-go-round is in full. I don't know what you'd say rotation. Uh, I think that uh, it's all but confirmed that Olympic have brought in uh, Manny Mavridis, who's had ties with, I believe, had ties with the club before, as well as uh, I think his last coaching gig was the Wolves under twenties. Um, so he's got pretty big shoes to fill, considering. Um, George Antonio has been um, at the helm there for what three seasons and won a few trophies with them, as long along with his assistant Paul Guido. So, big shoes to fill for him, but I'm sure he's keen to get uh, right into it. You mentioned Solvalos at United, uh, and then there's also been murmurs of coaching changes at uh, Tarawana as well, um, which. To be fair, I haven't confirmed, but Peter Willis has been there for quite some time, and um, whether he's decided to move on or not would be would be very intriguing to see because uh, his his while they were slightly off the pace this year, they um, they what made the finals four of four seasons mm. out of six or something along those lines, and yep. uh, a young team too. change would be at uh, Cringilla, where I believe. Isco Atanasovsky will be coming in to coach them next year. The formerly a uh, very successful youth grade coach at Wollongong United, and uh, he also spells at the old Kamblawara and um, first grade gigs at was at the Oak Flats Falcons as well as Spell at Wollongong United. So, and he's a, he's a former Cringilla player, I believe. 
Yeah. Some would uh, before my time as a player, but I'm pretty sure he'd be considered a Cringilla legend. So I think that would be a very interesting um, appointment there. And uh, he's a he's a he's a nice 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 bloke as well. So wish him all the best. Yeah, I was, I, I, like you said, if he's a he's a Cringilla legend, he'll be welcome with open arms as well. Josh has in, had a couple of internet issues as well, but in terms of the coaching changes that we've we've uh, seen the last week. There's a lot of experience that has moved on this year. Is it a bit of a surprise from your end? Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, I've had a few connection issues the last few minutes, but uh, hopefully I'm back now. Um, yeah, look, um, we saw quite a few changes last year, um, and, and obviously we're seeing more this year. I was a little bit surprised that um, to see George uh, moving on from the Olympic role. Um, he's obviously had great success, particularly this year at Olympics, so we wish him the best. Um Billy Sovlis, obviously a favourite son there at, uh, down there at Wollongong United. I'm sure he'll do a great job. Gives me vibes of um, Alvin Checkley taking over taking over at Albion Park about a year after his retirement. Um, I, I'd, I'd say Billy will probably hang up the boots. I can't imagine him being playing coach role. Um, I'm surprised with Harawana, if, if that's true, that Peter Willis has moved on. I think he's done a tremendous job with a young squad over the last couple of years. So, interesting to see what direction they go in. And Cringilla wouldn't surprise me too much. They had a pretty tough season, to say the least. Yeah, well, we'll touch on that tough season in a minute as well. But we'll get to the season review. Now, the overall season review, the first bit. So, I'll ask you first, Josh, some favourite moments from season 2021 or all the 13, 14 rounds that was of season 2021. What's What were some of your favourite moments? Could be anything Absolutely. on the field, off the field. Feels like a lifetime ago now, the season. But I uh, one of my favourite moments was the Wollongong United versus Olympic game where I think it was 5-4 in the end. That was yep. just a pulsating game in front of, front of a full crowd, which uh, feels like such a strange thing right now in this pandemic again. But um, that was such a fun day and you just didn't know which way that game was going. So that was probably my season highlight. I had that up there as well. Um, in terms of off the fi- in terms of off the field moments, though, I, I rated the uh, Krispy Kreme trend with Nico. They ended up going around for a fair bit as well. Uh, Dylan, some of your favourite moments from season twenty twenty one. I think we've lost him. No, I'm having problems with the software. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'll chuck in. Um, my my game of the season, which has moments of the year chucked into into the mix as well, yeah. uh, it would be round two when Wanuna hosted Port Kembla. Um, oh yeah, it's it's my it's my favourite for a few reasons. It was Wanuna's first home game since winning the league in 2020, and it was great to see a strong turnout. And on a personal note, I really enjoyed seeing a few posters for my book, a Drop in the Ocean, around the ground, and I I um. I really appreciated the the feedback some of the supporters were giving me uh, uh, about about the book. And as for the game, it, it was a cracker. Winona were leading 4-1. Corey Haynes-Gross returning to the club with two goals that day before a Route 1 inspired comeback saw Port draw 4 all, which, um, yeah, was a, a fascinating con- uh, contest. And, uh, yeah, good day all around. Fascinating contest to say the least, but 
games of the season, we've already kind of touched on that a bit. Some highlights on and off the field as well. Obviously, I want to touch on uh, the media coverage from the Mercury in particular. Josh, I'll give you a big wrap. The IPLs, mate, it's in the, it's in the paper every, on a weekly basis. The feature articles with some players as well. And um, some of the interesting uh, pieces on the IPL Informer as well. We touched on that competition restructure run as well. But there was, I mean, there was just some interesting articles like that. So a uh, big wraps to you boys for that. That's, uh, that's a highlight from my perspective of the season as well. Um, any other highlights you can think of? Not too kind, Jared. Um, look, I was also um, really impressed by Coniston's rise up the ladder this year. Got to be fair. To finish the league in second spot, we don't know how things sort of panned out in the end. Um, but full full credit to, to Rob Janowski there and the team. They did a superb job uh, getting that side up the ladder. That was probably the... Do you reckon that's the story of the year? Yeah, I think so. I'd rather focus on that, that than the COVID-wrecked season. So uh, definitely, Yeah, we won't touch on that. I think that was definitely the feel-good story of the year. Some highlights of your year, uh, Dylan? Yeah, I'd concur with with Josh Coniston are the I guess the fairy tale story this year, but there's also and we'll touch on it in a bit more depth soon. But Paul Kembler uh, being competitive after really disappointing last mm. year, last season, the previous year, um, and then you've you've got the some of the sides that have dropped off, which are which has been interesting to see the likes of um, Winuna, who obviously. We'll talk a bit more about them later, but haven't um, been yeah. able to hit the heights of the previous year. Coralmore have gone gone a bit stagnant. Tower Warner have fallen down the ladder. Even even Bulleye, there was a lot of expectations mm. on them. They're, these are interesting things to note. And I think that what was also interesting is the fact that when the season was suspended, there was four teams within three points of each other, which uh, yeah. you haven't seen yeah. league titles quite that tight in terms of uh, number of teams in in with the hunt, um, which I think would have made for a, a fascinating final month of the season. Yeah, granted there was a couple of teams that uh that had a game in hand, but obviously that was how the the in the eventual final round of the season panned out. Obviously, half the teams didn't get to play, but yeah, it was a tight uh, comp in the end. But we will go through to the official season review. And we will just touch on how the ladder finished after 13 and a half rounds. So Olympic, at that point in time, were 33 points on top after playing 13. Coniston played 14 and were on 32. United were on 13 as well, but had 30 points. Likewise, for Albion Park White Eagles were on 30 points, but played 14. Bulleye played 13, finished on 21 points. There was a nine-point gap there between fourth and fifth, but granted, Bulleye didn't get to play that weekend. Paul Campbell played 14 and finished one point behind Bulleye on 20. Winuna finished three points behind on 17 after playing 14. Tarawana played 14 games, finished on 16 points. Coronel Rangers played 13 games, finished on 10. Balambi Rosellas played 13 games, finished on 8. Quinjilla Lions played 14 games and finished on five points. And South Coast United at the bottom played 13 games and finished on four points. But we will go into the season review. We'll go from how that ladder finished from 12th all the way up to 1st. So the first one we will touch on is South Coast United. Uh, Josh, overall feelings towards South Coast United season? Yeah, um, pretty frustrating year, I'd imagine, to be a South Coast United fan. Um, they, second year in a row, they were pretty disappointing, to be honest. Um, 
I think a, a shining light was that they showed some improvement towards the back end of that season. But overall, I think it was a pretty disappointing campaign. Um, what are your thoughts, Dylan? Well, in a in a slightly comical way, it's in every year South Coast United seem to find a, a way of uh, avoiding relegation. So uh, anyone mm. sick of lockdown can blame them, I say. Um, but <laughs> they, they were poor. But in saying that, and without wanting to be too disrespectful to you know yourself or or Greg or anyone in the club, that they. They were always going to be right up against it this year. They, they snuck. They may have snuck out of it in the end. They had Cringillo and Balambi in the last two rounds, um, but you know, in terms of next year, the challenge is only going to be going to get tougher if the, if the roster roster isn't bolstered somewhat. Josh, how do you reckon they improve for twenty twenty two? Yeah, I think I think Dylan touched the nail on the head. They need to hopefully go out there and either make some good good recruitments or keep hoping that their youth develops. Um, something's got to change, I think. I think we've, in a couple of years in a row now, they've really struggled. So um, I don't know if they need a, a directional change. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, something's just got to change, I think, with South Coast United, but... Are they the first team in IPL history to finish the last two seasons in a row and not get relegated? That's one. Come to think of it, oh, I, I, I haven't. I haven't seen. Us, but, uh, yeah, I haven't haven't seen that before. But anyway, we'll move on to probably yeah. We'll move on to eleventh spot, Cringilla. So uh, yeah, bit had an okay start, mind you. They had like top five teams in the first five rounds, and then dropped off significantly. Obviously, they had some coaching changes and that, which kind of derailed it a little bit from the external point of view. But still, some overall feelings towards Cringilla this year. I think Cringilla have to be pretty disappointed with how twenty twenty one panned out. The season really turned pear shaped fast. Uh, once they let poor Micklemeyer go, and and knowing um, South Coast have a, a history of pulling rabbits out of the hat, there there was a, a possibility, a decent possibility, that the Lions were were going to finish bottom this year and be playing district league uh, footy in two thousand twenty two. Paul was sacked after I think was it five games, five rounds into Something the season, like that, five yeah. games, and four of those were against four of the league's strongest sides. Uh, as well as Tarawana, who had finished in the top five the, the previous season. And mm. and they got um, a point against United. Mm, mm. And and Michael Grabevsky, he came in, and the results against lower-quality sides, well, it speaks for themselves. And the defeat to Coniston, who, yes, they, they were good this year, but 8-0 would be a pretty embarrassing event for, for what is a, a proud club. And... You don't see those sort of score lines very often, especially for teams that don't end up relegated uh, come season's end. The the new committee at Cringilla, they've done a lot of good things at at uh, at the club, including bringing in new blood and and and, and new sponsorship. But that call um, could have really set them back. As as for next year, I I understand they're going to be pretty ambitious, but. Uh, Cringilla have been also rents in the Premier League for a long time now, so 
I'm going to have to see what sort of side Isco, the Iceman, is able to assemble before I'm able to, you know, tip them for Kimi Raikkonen trophy. Yeah, overall feelings towards Quinny season, Josh. Mind you, I was thinking, like, they got a point against United, right? But it just, I don't know, it, it dropped off so much, like dramatically, so quickly. It felt like, like we were. I remember we were speaking early in the year about it. Even though they were losing, they weren't losing by March. And they were competing. Like, I remember it was like one all with Olympic until like 10, five minutes to go or something. And granted, they scored another three, but they were in it for a long period of time against what people argue was the strongest team in the league. And yeah, like, granted, that like South Coast United's only win this year was against Cringilla, and it could have gone pear shaped very, very quickly. Yeah, look, for me, Cringilla were probably the most disappointing team this year. I mean, last year, they did. They came ninth last year, which was okay. They had two wins. Um, and the big thing for me, the goal difference last year was four, minus four. This year was minus 30. Like, so they mm. weren't scoring goals and they were leaking plenty, which is really concerning. Um, that game against Connor was obviously the low point. I was there that day. There was a lot of infighting between players and coaching staff and all kinds of things like that. And Yeah, look, obviously you're not going to be happy on the day you lose 8-0, but it, mm. for me... There were danger signs there. I, like you guys, could not understand why Micklemeyer was let go. I thought he was doing quite a good job. And he came in the back end of last year as a filling coach, did quite a good job as well. So, for me, it didn't make much sense, and their results got worse against arguably worse teams later in the year. 10th place, Balambi. This is another one as well. Jeff Orport it seemed to... He seemed to do quite well with uh, what he had as well, obviously. Um, some some were saying that Balambi didn't exactly have the strongest squad on paper as well, but considering some of the results they got as well, I don't think it's too bad. If, it's, if you can consider the building season for Balambi. Oh, I'll jump Jeff in. I thought it was a strange season oh, for Balambi. Some games they really fought tooth and nail. The other ones they dropped three or four nil. Mm. So they were a really hard team to put a finger on. But I agree, it could have been a lot worse, could have been better. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they come up with next season. Dylan, your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, Jeff, he was given a blank slate when he walked into Balambi, but he wasn't He wasn't given a blank checkbook, and he put together a, a group of players that came from you know all different walks of football. A lot of them hadn't played regular first grade for anywhere in their career and while they weren't really going to be doing anything this year other than fighting off relegation I thought they probably would have finished comfortably ninth or 10th I think that's a fair as well how did they, how do you reckon they get better for 2022 uh, well I don't I don't uh, I don't really know what what the plan is in terms of recruitment um, if they if they're going with the same same squad for 2022 I think that I think the plan would still be to just stay in the league um, mm. obviously they came into the league in 2020 with uh, Andy Payne and they had brought in a lot of really seasoned and se- seasoned Premier League players as well as exciting prospects that a lot of clubs were after um, and then that completely changed in 2021 so essentially 2021 was a side that 
was a promotion side still. So I think that that's still mm. just be content with um, staving off um, finishing bottom next year. Any thoughts of improvement for 2022 for Bolambi, Josh? I'm a bit like Dylan. It depends on recruitment and that kind of thing. They lost not just experience in the offseason, they lost a lot of identity to me this year, losing guys like Slushy Brad Watts. Shout out to Slushy. And um, the, the oh, man. Vaughan, that's Paul Vaughan. Vaughan Patterson. <laughs> Sorry, Vaughan. Paul Vaughan. <laughs> Paul Vaughan. <laughs> Paul Vaughan's gone from, uh, from uh, Liam to the Bulldogs. Vaughan Patterson hasn't been having any oh, lockdown barbecues, has he? No, nah, I hope not. Uh, be a good None boy. that we know of. But honestly, they, they lost two big characters there as well as important players. And to me, they just lacked a little bit of identity. So, um, <laughs> I, think uh, I agree with Dylan. I think they'll be looking to, to save off uh, relegation next year. Vaughan Patterson's barbecue. Ninth place, Coromel. I would be fair to say probably for a club who won the grand final two years ago, this is pretty disappointing, finish ninth. Yeah. Mm. It was a pretty mismatch. You know, Rangers side, to be honest, and what I saw in the opening two months of the season as well as pre-season, they did rely a lot on Goodchild and uh, Toby Norville for any attacking sort of thrust, which is understandable because they're both great, great players. But um, they obviously had a difficult pre-season with coaches leaving and the new duo coming in to the piece late on. Uh, So... I don't really know what next year looks like for them, but uh, I don't think the current roster plays in the finals next year. Um, but once again, I, I've seen good child carry sides from from seemingly nowhere into the top five, so it's possible. Thoughts, Josh? It just felt like a messy season down there um, at Coromel. They obviously had some coaching turnover I thought they were going in an interesting direction and a brand new direction when they um, they brought in the two coaches from um, Oak Flats um, and then just didn't work out for whatever reason and I think losing Sturgeo we'll talk about um, Sturgeo more when we come up big loss yeah I think he was a massive loss to that midfield um, the experience and skill that he brings to that team and yeah it was a pretty disappointing campaign um, overall I think for Carmel. Tarawana eighth, bit up and down as well. They still have, still have. It seems we seem to say it every year. They've got a young squad, but um, up and down. Some good wins, some iffy iffy results. Josh, it was always going to be hard. They lost their two two of arguably their best players before the season got underway. Um, Ferrero and um, Majeski. So they're a young team. They're a hard team to to see where the improvement comes from. Besides their youth. Um, but, I mean, they, they made top five last year, so overall it is another mm. pretty ordinary campaign, to be honest. Yeah, and they only lost that epic, what was it, 15 penalty shootout or something like that, um, which all three of us were there that day as well. But, still consensus on Tarawana season? Yeah, we can have a consensus. Um, they, they had a go, but it all got a bit too much for, for this Tarawana side after... After you know, a side they're a side that didn't really have too many senior players in the forward parts of the field, which could have could have cost them. They had those injuries that they were brought into this season, and um, yeah, it just got all a bit too much for them. As I mentioned at the top, 
they seem to be parting ways with Peter Willis, which I'm told is a mutual thing, uh, because I know the club, you know, have a lot of respect for what he's done with the side, with um, especially with the amount of young players that have been handed first grade debuts over the years. Um, I'm not sure what their plans for next year are, but. I think they do need they do need a striker. I think that side looks a lot different if they have a if they have a, a striker, which is obviously easy to say that if you chuck a Yusuke Uweda in there, that you, your side's going to be a lot better. But that's that's just that's just the way the way I see it. Um, and I don't know if this young crop is going to be ready to push back in the finals p- picture without a few more senior heads. But you know, there's still there's still a lot of. Um, Exciting, exciting prospects. You know, I think you can still call them prospects, even though some mm. of them have now played 20, 30 games uh, at uh, Tarawana Oval. Wanuna, like we said earlier, it was always going to be hard to replicate last season's success. Uh, some games were a bit how you go, and some games were quite, quite good. Um, overall, overall thoughts on Wanuna, Josh? Were they as you expected, or? under what you expected at the start of the year? Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from last year. They probably overachieved last season, to be fair. Um, and that's that's full credit to them. I'm not taking anything away from them. This year, I I still thought they'd make top five, so I thought it was a little bit under what I was predicting. Um, maybe they could have made top five from there. I doubt it. They were four points behind Bulleye when the season was called. The weird thing for them was how many goals they conceded. Like last year, was it eight point goals all season? They conceded. This year, they just. I mean, the opening game they conceded twice. So. Yeah. And then they struggled yeah, to score conceded, goals. I'm pretty sure they conceded uh, two games in a row. They conceded four. Yeah. One of them was the Paul Campbell game. The other one was the Connor game at JJ Kelly, where they. Yeah. Um, they copped a four nil. Yeah. And they also uh, Which is disappointing. They struggled to score as well. So they conceded 26. They scored 20. Before, without Corey Haynes Gross, who contributed 80 out of those 20 goals, they would have been completely off. So, yeah. Still a young squad as well, mind you. It is, it is a young squad. I like what they're building. They lost a lot of good players in that offseason too. I think J.F. Fernandez was a massive loss for them at the back. Oh, um, I think we all agreed. He, he could have been Golden Glove winner last year. I think we all agreed on that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, look, it, they'll, they'll be back, I think, stronger next year. But, yeah, probably a little bit under what we, we expected. Dill, you wrote a book on them. How did you think Wanuna went in 2021 by your expectations? It was a it was a bit of a case of the event after the, the Lord's Mayor show. Um, they changed things up a bit, and I, I don't think it really worked out. Um well, I do know it didn't. It didn't work out for them. Uh, they weren't able to bring in a like for like for Joey Fernandez, which was always probably going to be the case. But that hindered their play somewhat. The defense wasn't able to have confidence in the the goalkeepers that they used over the years, over the over the this season. Which you know there was a lot of pressure on on um, on uh, Booth and then Groom this year in the goal for Winuna and uh, that, that hindered their play. They also tried to play a few different formations. They were a bit more ambitious in attack, which I, I guess could have been the trade-off, the tra- the defence defensive solidity as well as the lack of uh, Jair 
could have been the trade-off for, for that. Um, but where it goes next year for the Sharks, I'm not too sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure how they go about it. Sixth spot, uh, Paul Kembla. Just had a bit of a testy pop there. Sixth spot in Paul Kembla. So, obviously, a massive improvement from last year. Brought in... There was, there was a lot more excitement around Paul Kembla this year. Do you think, Josh? Oh, he's gone. Yeah, Josh is gone. Dylan, your thoughts on Paul Kembla this year? This year. They, a bit they more they exciting than, than in last year. Echelon of two top two or three teams most improved um, from last year. I thought they did really. Well, a lot more. I was really excited by the return of Stuart sure. Beattie's coach, Stuart Beattie and I thought he did a great job. I mean, they were really propelled by the rise of Jordan Nicholas for this season. In. Um, uh, yeah, it's a superb season. They had a bit of luck here and there, and, but uh, considering yeah, where they it, were the previous season, the likes season, of Jordan, they, they brought were, so much beautiful excitement really to that side. And, and an an of, they, they were right on the edge of that top five, five and I think they would have been pushing for finals. Next year, I expect them to be challenging for the five again in a in a similar manner. Not not a one of the favourites to make the five, but you know, right in the hunt. Definitely in the hunt, I think as well. Number five. We expected them to be a little bit higher, but Bulleye, overall feeling towards them, I think there was a there was a big run there where they had a lot of disappointing results, but then there was some results where they showcased what they can do. Um, bit underwhelming from Bulleye, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It was, it was a bit of a plodding season uh, with the side just holding on to fifth when the competition was called off. I think were they one point ahead of or two points ahead of Paul Campbell, admittedly, with a, a game in hand. Um, yeah. And and considering their preseason and the players that the club had and the cl- players that the club bought in, it's, yeah, pretty pretty disappointing. The defence wasn't as assured as I thought it would be, and that could, could have been their downfall if the season was to have been played out. Um, if they have the same setup next year, they'll still be expected to really be... Ne- more competitive than they uh, they were this year, and really be challenging for the league title and putting themselves in the frame to be win the uh, win the grand final. But um, yeah, this year wasn't wasn't really shaping up how a lot of people expected it would for Boy. Yeah, I, de- I definitely didn't pick it either. I'm pretty sure they were my uh, league title favourite tip in the season preview. Uh, but yeah, I would expect them to be up there next year otherwise um yeah because this season was a bit underwhelming so i'd expect them to be up there next year but number four and they started to hit their straps as they do towards the end of the year Albany park white eagles obviously had the coaching change a couple rounds in but as they seem to do every year they started to go on a bit of run started to get some good results um Albany park's overall feeling towards Albion park season look it's had a really bizarre start to the season uh, with Alvin Checkley coming in after two rounds uh, and that was after Rob Birkin had uh, was, they'd won their first two games as well but uh, I think they drew against Balambi and won against Crinney okay so four points undefeated for two games which obviously for a side that I at least tipped to come, come win the top, win the league would have been disappointing but it was still surprising to see Alvin Checkley come in for round three, but the side was was pretty proved to be pretty strong and still a chance of winning the league title. I only saw Alvin's first two games in charge, and they were they were efficient without being incredible. Uh, they picked up 
their goal scoring and they, like I said, they were a realistic chance of still winning the league title. Um, a full preseason under under his belt at at Terra Reserve will will mean that they'll be expected to be a side right up there next year. Got to touch on it as well. He was four clear of the next person, Morgan, with 17 goals in 14 games. Pretty good return, I'd say. Yeah, and he didn't score in four games, I think. So mm, Yeah, yeah, a, I think he didn't score. When he does score. Two or three games. When he does score, he usually gets multiples. He's, a, he's proving to be one of the competition's uh, best goal getters. Yeah, consistently score on goals, which is... Uh, if you're an Albion Park fan, very positive. Number three, and they always seem to be up there. They probably would have been second if all teams played equal amount of games, but these this was one of the teams that uh, obviously had a game in hand on Kono above them. Wollongong United, they were always fighting for it up there. Went toe-to-toe with Olympic, nearly got a result against Olympic. Uh, Yamada was outstanding for them this year. Overall, thoughts on Wollongong United, Dill? Do we have Josh or no? He's gone again. Josh is like, yeah. Josh is coming in and out. We'll just keep going um, as the time being. Let's hope he doesn't have too many strong opinions on Bulleye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look for United. It was continuing on for t- from twenty twenty in many ways. Not too much turnover in the playing roster. With the main out being Billy Sovlos, who couldn't get fit. Um, and I'd expect this roster to be pretty strong again, with Sovlos replacing. Uh, Oliver Kofsky, who's been the coach since 2018, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, and in fact, whether he will or will not be a player coach. Um, but if the roster is the same or similar next season, they'll, they'll be still be challenging for, for silverware. At least that'll be the expectation. Oh, they'll definitely be up there, like we've said all year, Josh. United, they always seem to be in the hunt where there or thereabouts. Welcome back, guys. I've I dropped out again the last few minutes. So, well done, Carrie. We're, we're carrying um, on. Yeah. yeah, good work, guys. Um, look, you can't write off uh, United every year. Uh, I think, yeah, Ollie will be a big loss, bud, because um, he's obviously been a huge part of that coaching movement the last few years. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go next year, but I'd predict them to write up there again. Probably the most improved team of the year. Definitely the story of the year outside of... Uh, is a virus that killed the season off. Coniston FC, outstanding from then. Some real big stories from then. Agronovsky, Volada, Dalmeida came into his own. Kayano came into his own at the back as well. Obviously, he's been a solid defender for a few years, but he took it to the next step. Uh, Anthony Kristeski stepping up from reserve grade as well, which was outstanding. Um, I'm pretty sure he got man of the match in the reserve grade grand final, and he's shown he can make the step up the first grade as well, but... Um, yeah, plus a few other stories as well, Josh, who, um, as you know, uh, been touching on them. You've been covering them a fair bit this year with the uh, the massive improvement they've had, definitely considering it was five years ago they were in Community League, I think. Yeah, every year they seem to, to just find a new level. And I've, I always thought that, um, I thought that Janowski would be good as a coach for them. I didn't realise he'd be that good for them as a coach this year, so... He did a great job, and you can credit um, Caden Harrison at the back as another player who improved so much and was a key part of that reason they rose, rose up the ladder. Mm. So, that was super impressive. I think they only dropped points against the fellow top sides. I think they really stamped their yeah. authority on this. 
and just looking at the ladder, they finished tenth last year, guys. Tenth from tenth to second. That's superb. How many clean sheets was it? Because it was like five in a row at one point. I think it was like seven or eight clean sheets. Something, Something like, like that. that. Dylan, do you have the stats on that one? Do I have the stats on that one? How many clean sheets? Oh, let just me, perfect I've, timing because Josh just dropped out again. But yeah, it was I've a lot of clean sheets. Up. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight clean sheets, including one, two, three, four, five in a row at one stage. It was that, that was it was just a superb run, but overall consensus on Kono very well without obviously the season finishing very um, successful in their improvement. Their improvement was um, second to none, and they were genuinely going to be a, a finals top four team this year. An excellent season from uh, Kono, new coach, lots of new and especially young players, and they've they've taken the league by storm. I tipped them to be fighting for fifth, but yep. to be to be in a, to be in with a decent shot of a league titles are a real credit to them. I know Roger is pretty confident of keeping the group together for twenty twenty two, which is oh, a plus. Well, yeah. And and they'll also get uh Jake Melando and Jason Zufik back who were injured for a large chunk of the season, or in Zufik's case, all of the season and but me, I think the issue, the potential issue, is the factor that next year they won't have that surprise factor, uh, and there will be a little bit more expectation on them. But yeah, similar be, to Winona this hoping year, to be playing. Yeah, they'll be they'll be playing, hoping to be playing in the finals next season. That's that's for sure. One team that you would think would definitely be playing finals next season as well is Wollongong Olympic, who finished top after the 13-14 rounds as well, which is where we expected them. And uh, look, they, Josh, they lived up to expectation. Are you expecting, Dill, anything different with a coaching change next year or are you expect an Olympic to definitely be up there again next year? It's really hard to say. Like, it would have been really, ex- like, extremely frustrating for Wollongong United to have the rug pulled out from underneath them because while I don't think you can award a league title based on this number of games when the finish line was set for, you know, 10 games more or whatever, they, mm-hmm. they still would have been... the definitely the favourites to go on with it um, and now as you say they're, they're, they're replacing George and, and Paul and um, not Paul Anthony Anthony, Anthony Guido uh, yeah Paul uh, you said that earlier too I thought oh is that right <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> no sorry about that Paul, Paul go obviously on. being the, the player at Coromel um, this wouldn't have been how they envisaged their tenure at the PCYC ending with Manny coming in. Uh, I'm not too sure what their what their side's going to be look at looking like. I'm informed that a number of stars are going to be staying next year, but I've also heard I've also been told that uh, some will be going elsewhere in the league, and uh, some may even be going back 
up to the NPL. So it's hard to hard to call what success looks like for them next year. But given that Olympic have been one of the favourites over the last half a decade, uh, it's hard to not see him be really competitive next year. And one thing. Yeah, they do both say we're recruiting, but unfortunately, Josh has cut out as you were saying that. Uh, one thing we got robbed of this year, and Josh and I used to touch on it a fair Josh. bit. It was, yeah. One thing that we were robbed of this year was that final round showdown between United and Olympic, which would have been the weekend just gone had we have completed the season. And those two were battling for the top two spots. So we could have, we could have possibly been robbed of a last round title showdown, potentially, but... That is the official season review. Now, what we're going to be doing this next bit, we're going to we're going to call it the All Star segment. So basically, based on twenty twenty one performance. So we're not saying this player's ability is better than that. Da 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 da. It was based on performance. What that was expected from them. Did they? How much they exceeded that expectation? How much impact they had on that league? The league as well. So this is basically. If the IPL had the All-Stars team that played against the Wolves, like there was a few years ago, who would make this team? So we've got an extended bench of seven in this team as well, as well as a starting 11. Um, I'm sure you guys wrote down the team that we discussed earlier. Josh, welcome back. Hey, guys. Just, just, uh, I'm like the, the floating player today. I don't know when I'm going to be contributing or not. So been the case. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I will rattle off the starting eleven now. Like I said earlier, based on twenty one twenty one performance, not a not ability if or whatever think, people conceive can, of ability. Go on. I reckon we go through each line. Just don't read out the yep. whole team. Just each line yep. and we'll talk about each each player perhaps. And then Fair enough, fair way. enough. So, goalkeepers, the two goalkeepers will say one from the bench. Uh, our starting goalkeeper, we went with Caden Harrison based on the eight clean sheets. Our bench goalkeeper, we went with Sam Nastic. We were considering between Harrison, Nastic and Passfield. We went with Nastic and Harrison. Um, look, in my opinion, the clean sheets speak for themselves still. Yeah, it's obviously that's a that's a key stat. But, but Harrison stepped into a really sizable gap left by Blake Horton. Uh, who was the, the the Golden Love winner the season previous? And when the competition was halted, yeah, not only clean sheets but the fewest goal con- goals conceded of, of any first choice goalkeeper. And I'm just really impressed with how his career is progressing. He's still very young, and I think he's either going mm. to be playing the best part of 200 games in this competition, or or go on to a higher level. Uh, Josh, you. We're probably one of the first ones to say Kane Harrison for the, the goalkeeper. Yeah, I thought he was superb this year. Another key reason why they they were so good. So, um, yeah, look, I thought all three nominations we had were strong, but I think he was the standout goalkeeper of the year. Our back line. So we went with one defender on the bench as well. Our starting back line, we went with Chris Price at left back, Takayuki Kayano at centres, back with Ben Brooks from United, and Equo Dalmeida from Connison at right back. Obviously, he had a huge impact on their defence. The five clean sheets in a row coincided when Dalmeida showed up there. And on the bench, our bench defender, who 
was a starter, I'm pretty sure, in Dylan's team the season last year. Danny Lazarevsky, United, from Wollongong United as well. So there's two United defenders, two Kono defenders, and one Olympic defender as well. Um, is there, Based on that, we've discussed it. We discussed it. I think that's a fair assumption based on, obviously, clean sheet records and uh, defensive stability this year. Josh? Yeah, nice mix there of uncompromising defender and a bit of flair, I think, coming out of defense too. So, And they all were outstanding. I mean, Chris Price, for me, was brilliant for, for Olympic all season. And, um, yeah, I, I thought all those guys did a great job this season, to be honest. Dill, thoughts on our combined back line? Yeah, I, I want to um, touch on two players in particular, but both of them coincidentally here at Coniston. Uh, Ekwe, he was a late pickup from Coniston, and he, he's had spells at Olympic and the Wolves. Coaches haven't seemed certain about where he's most effective. A couple of years ago, he was actually the top goal scorer in the Birmingham Cup with about six goals in three games or, some, or something like that. And yeah. But I think he is a fullback, and he's proved that somewhat at JJ Kelly Park. I think he's a tremendous player, and I think he'll he'll only get better in the years ahead. And also, Taka Koyano, he's going from strength to strength. He joined the club in 2018 when they were a district league side, uh, and he, he reminds me a lot of the of his uh, compatriot, former Bulleye centre back Kenji Takahashi, because oh yeah, he's very strong. He's a very strong presence, but. He's really tough to beat 1v1. Um, he was missing through suspension a few times in 2020, and, and that cost Coniston dearly. But this year, he's been ever-present, and uh, that's really aided their back line. Another one I want to touch on as well, Chris Price. He seems you know, like he's older than a bit older than what he is now, but, man, he's still extremely fit, still, can still get up and down that flank deal. That's that's a brilliant line. He's a bit older than he is now. <laughs> yeah, he's look. He's he a was great player. a bit older he's than a, he was, but he's fit as. Um, um, he was. I don't, it's not not going to surprise anyone that he's one of the better players in the league. I'm told he's set to stay at uh, the PCYC next year, and I expect him to be one of the better players. Uh, players again, exceptional left peg, and just so we don't miss him out, miss him out, Ben Brooks. An ever president, you know, yeah. for a number of years now, and five goals for a centre back. Credit to him. Well done to him. Is it five? It was. I'm pretty sure five. you said it was five earlier. Yeah. So I probably should have said this at the start. Our formations are four four two. Now we've got a lot of midfielders in here as well because there was a few we thought based on performances this year we had to stick in. Uh, so we'll rattle off. So four four two with. So our midfield four is the follows. We have Mitsuo Yamada, who probably shoe in. Uh, Lucas Sturgio from Coniston. Seiji Kawakami from United. And Hikaru Kawasaki from Olympic. So we had kind of Kawasaki as a right wing. And um, and yeah, someone, someone else we said on the left wing as well. But on the bench, out we, we, we went three midfielders on the bench. We went with Steve Agronovsky from Kono. There's a few Kono players in here. Uh, Alan Volado made a massive impact on Kono when he came in and he came in around the same time as Dalmater as well and that's when they started their run so we put those two in and even though uh, his squad struggled a bit uh, this year we stuck Guy Knight in purely because he was injured he was playing a bit injured as well but um, he was just still so important to that Bulos side still banged in a few goals as well and Tori Musumeci, we had to put in from Olympic as well. He was 
once he started getting those the starts, the minutes under the belt, um, he was crucial for Olympic and he bagged a hat trick against United. So that shows his importance. We went with a fair few midfielders uh, there, Dill, but there's some players that you couldn't really leave out. Yeah, they were probably the strongest. Well, it's hard to say, but it was a very competitive field. I'll touch on uh, Lucas Sturjo, who was he was a really key signing for Coniston. It was Josh who mentioned he was a big loss for Coronwine, no doubt about it. But he slotted in at JJ Kelly Park right away. He wore the armband with distinct distinction. Back in 2017, when he first came into the league with Olympic, he was one of the top five or six players in the competition. And for various reasons, he fell off the, the pace a bit in the seasons between. Um, but from what I saw of Coniston, he was, he was fantastic. And from speaking to people at the club, they can only say really positive things about about a player that, you know, is a great passer of the ball. He rarely loses it, and uh, he'll he'll be a key part of them their uh, top five chances next year. Uh, Josh, we've got a lot of midfielders in this team, but like I said to Dill earlier, we can't... There's some we just couldn't leave out this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the quality we've got there, I think, speaks for itself, but there could have been other blokes that maybe got a... A nomination as well, but I think we've we picked the best of the lot there, guys. Um, some real experienced heads and some some younger talent. Younger, that's not even a word. <laughs> talent that really impressed this year. <laughs> so four four two formation. We go the two attackers now, and considering the goals they scored, probably no surprise. We went Jordan Nikolovsky and Cameron Morgan. Our bench attacker. We went with Corey Haynes Gross, considering like he scored the bulk of Winuna's goals this year. I argue for Josh McDonald and Van Elia, but we didn't include them. Uh, Van Elia obviously came a bit later as well, but I argue for them. But for various reasons, we didn't have those well, two. But We only had a certain amount of Bunnings chairs for the bench, so we couldn't have everybody yeah. in there. There was only so many. Uh, but Nikoloski and Morgan speaks for themselves, Josh. Yeah, two guys that, Respectfully to Cameron, opposite ends of their career. I mean, Morgo is an established He's not that old, is he? Who I thought was superb this year. Oh, he's older than Jordan, but... He's older than Jordan. Yeah, Jordan's young, though. That's one. A lot older than Jordan. Yeah. You said in our chat before... Hold on. In the chat before, he said 53-year-old Paul McGregor was at least... Oh, yeah. Which is the biggest biggest underclubber. Look, mate... My age is obviously off, but look, he looks really good shout for his age. Shout out to the Rig. Shout out to the Rig, Paul McGregor. <laughs> Mighty Mary. I've been waiting, been waiting an hour for that mention. Oh. Go on. Go on, Josh. Sorry. He might get a start a few NRL teams right now, but anyway. Uh, look, uh, we, we unfortunately saw the retirement of the flip this year for Cameron Morgan. That was the sad point of his season. Maybe he's getting old then. He had a, a, an awesome year. And it, and it feels like Jordan Nikoloski, look, he, he's shown signs in the past, but I feel like he, like he came from nowhere this year in a lot of ways. And um, it was it was great there for Port Campbell. So, well done to Jordan. He provided a lot of entertainment on and off the field. And uh, Haynes Gross was a suggestion from you, Dill. And... Uh... Well, like we said, like we said earlier, he scored the bulk of he scored a bulk of goals for Winuna this year in a year where they didn't didn't score as as many goals. They scored about twenty goals, I think. Yeah, there, there was a bit of a bit of pressure on Corey going back to Winuna. He obviously had a failed stint at Olympic after after leaving the Sharks, and 
while the side hasn't been as good this year, Corey, Corey was strong. He scored eight goals in 14 games, which is a good return. And and it's actually five goals more than any Sharks scored in 2020, which I think is a remarkable statistic. I do want to talk about Jordan as well. Uh, Jordan Nikoloski, 13 goals in, a, in one of the lower scoring sides, like a lower scoring competitive side at least. Um, his goals actually accounted for 13 of Port Kemmler's 20 points, which that isn't obviously that obviously isn't the full story, but it does paint a bit of a picture. And and I need to say that he's another player that had a bit to prove heading to Wetherill Park. He he broke through the Fury before what would have been in 2017, seventeen yes. the second half of that season before being essentially a bit part player of the Wolves and not really kicking on. He had flashes with the White Eagles last season. He's he's an exceptionally skillful player, but whether his end product was there, the, the questions were definitely asked. But Jordan's talent has been been on show and he's this season and he's delivering and um, he could be one of the league's best players for a long, long time. Well, he said so himself that he started enjoying his football this year as well, which was a key factor to it. But um, that's our that's our all star. What do you want to call it, team of the season? Um, if we did, if we did, if we left, yeah, don't get too angry. All right, it was just based on twenty twenty one season uh, performance, and um, that's from our perspective. Other people can have perspectives as well. That's completely fine. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, that is oh. our last Illawarra Premier League podcast for the season, Josh, and um, cruelly cut short. Cruelly cut short indeed. Um, we were talking beforehand, maybe we should start our own NRL podcast instead. Though that season's also coming to an end, and I'm not sure how many people would want to hear us talking uh, about rugby league. But anyway, look, it's been a it's been a good season, enjoyable year. Really enjoyed all the guest spots on your show too, um, Jared. You've done a tremendous job. So. Appreciate it. Everyone's everyone here's done a pretty tremendous job. Like you know how many local leagues around the country in any sport can say they've got this much coverage in the paper and you know podcasts and IPL informers and sort of stuff as well. But uh, Dill, welcome back. Thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, spend a, you spent a fair bit of time away, which is uh, one of the reasons why we haven't had you on. But um, good to have you back. Now, it was good to talk a bit of local footy. And if anyone wants to uh, join join uh, the Corey Ramsey fan club, just... Uh, Cody Ramsey. Cody Ramsey. <laughs> Corey Norman, Cody. Cody Ramsey. The Cody Ramsey fan club. <laughs> just send me an email, all right? I'll sort you out. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> we might just send it there. <laughs> to all the listeners uh, this year as well. We'll try to keep bringing some content out but uh thanks so much for showing the support for the potty and uh you can guarantee we'll be back um bigger and better strong and stronger next year as well and um who knows what the what we're in for in 2022 hopefully a full season for one so i for one haven't covered a full season of footy yet a proper full season so um, it's a bit frustrating that way but um everyone else thanks for listening and um Guarantee we'll catch you in the IPL next season as well, but just keep updated with the, the content we'll provide. Make sure to uh, like, follow, uh, subscribe, whatever you want to do on YouTube, Spotify, anything as well. Go give the IPL Informer a like on Twitter and Facebook. Follow Bardo on Twitter as well. He gives you some pretty good updates. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bardo0612. Bardo0612, you heard it here. 
Okay, go follow him on Twitter. on Twitter. Yes. And he's Be only sure to... fans. He's... <laughs> oh, no explicit content. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> what a...